This is the Dallas Morning News. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're elevating how Texas banks. Texas Capital Bank. Member FDIC. TexasCapitalBank.com. Welcome to Sports Day Cowboys, a podcast all about the Dallas Cowboys, brought to you by the Dallas Morning News. I'm Michael Gelkin. And I'm Calvin Watkins, with two Cowboys beat writers having a weekly real talk conversation about the latest with the team, including interviews, analysis, and debate. The team has signed wide receiver T.Y. Hilton. That won't solve all its problems. While the Cowboys didn't lose to the Texans on Sunday, they certainly lost some people. Right tackle Terrence Steele, nose tackle Jonathan Hankins among them. What does the future hold at that right tackle spot between Josh Ball and Jason Peters? Also, we explore how Hilton fits this offense. And are we concerned about Dak Prescott's interceptions? Nine now in eight games. Mm-mm-mm. The Cowboys have four games remaining in the regular season, and the quest to win the NFC East is nearing its end. This weekend, Dallas goes to Florida to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Will the Cowboys eat the cheese again? Michael and I will discuss what that means. And also, Michael Gelkin interviews the rising talent on the defense, Damone Clark. Sports Day Cowboys starts next. You have a three-year plan and a 30-year plan. At Texas Capital Bank, we've transformed our bank to offer solutions that will grow with you. From enhanced treasury management and corporate banking to personal banking and wealth management, we're dedicated to delivering the full-service support you need to secure the growth and success of your business. All from a full-service financial firm founded and headquartered in Dallas, Texas. Texas Capital Bank. Member FDIC. TexasCapitalBank.com. Welcome back to Sports Day, Cowboys. The injuries, after having really been a healthy season for the Cowboys overall in the NFL, really health is relative. Anthony Brown, they lost against the Indianapolis Colts for the season, a torn Achilles. Now the next week, right tackle Terrence Steele suffers a left ACL and MCL tear. He's out for the season. And Jonathan Hankins strains a pectoral muscle. He's out for the regular season. Calvin, what concerns you right now about where the Cowboys stand medically, be it offensive tackle, run defense there with Hankins gone, or cornerback sans Anthony Brown? What concerns you most? The cornerback position concerns me the most. Um, They've been so inconsistent without Anthony Brown. And I was kind of surprised that they started Deron Bland in that game against the Texans last week. But defensive coordinator – Dan Quinn explained it. It was a certain package that they liked um, defensively. That's why Bland started over Kelvin Joseph. Joseph struggled again as an outside corner. This is something that's going to, to me, is going to bother them for the rest of the regular season and into the playoffs. But the positive thing about this is Joseph will get the reps, but 
you hope that he doesn't get burned enough times. It's going to cost him a game, especially in the postseason. So the Cowboys essentially told us on Sunday with their usage at cornerback that they believe Deron Bland is a better cornerback than Kelvin Joseph today, which I don't think is a surprise. It's something that we saw during training camp. It's something that we saw in the preseason. And then when they're in that nickel defense, Deron Bland goes from a starting outside you know, base corner to back into that nickel spot. And then mm-hmm. we saw Kelvin Joseph as the outside guy. So if you have to have two corners on the field, Cowboys are choosing Trayvon Diggs and Deron Bland. And only when they needed three, did they put Kelvin Joseph on the field to be the outside guy. They don't see him as more of the slot type. I'm with you that I think it's a concern, even though Joseph, you know, he's going to get better as he, as he goes in the third down pass breakup was critical. That mm-hmm. is worth highlighting. But yeah, I think the consistency uh, question is, is valid there at what they're going to get. But at least you have a pass rush to help Kelvin Joseph. On the offensive line, Terrence Steele, I don't think we can overlook or gloss over just how huge of a loss that is for this offensive line, for this run game, for this offense as a whole. Terrence Steele is the type of guy that if you're a coach, you want 53 of them. You look at his improvement from the time that he arrived in 2020. He twice won an award in the offseason for strength and conditioning. Just a guy who just enjoys the process of getting better. And he's got that physicality, the tone-setting attitude that the Cowboys are really going to miss now on their offensive line. We can talk about Jason Peters' Hall of Fame credentials. We can talk about... You know, Josh Ball and what he may or may not be able to do. But what's certain is that they're going to lack the physicality that Terrence Steele brings. And we're talking about December, January football. Terrence Steele is exactly the type of guy that you want on the field. And now that's no longer possible. Now, Terrence Steele is a self-made man. And um, when, when they let go of Lyle Collins, who was their previous starting right tackle, the, the reality was there was some concerns about that sp- position. And here comes Terrence Steele, and, and I thought he, he he earned that job. He definitely earned that job, and he deserved the job. But I'm not as overly concerned about it as, as you are. I mean, Jason Peters is a Hall of Fame left tackle. He has played right tackle before. It's been a while since he has been at that position. Hmm. But and, and, and I think, and you're going to tell me the last time he played it. I know you are. But uh, – if you put him out there at right tackle against the Jaguars with Josh Ball, who had his struggles in the Texans game last week, they'll be fine. And when you get when he's going to get about four weeks of reps, I'm talking about Jason Peters here at right tackle. And the reality is, you're getting Jason Peters ready for the wild card round when they play Tampa Bay. That's the bottom line here. And Jason Peters will get enough reps. He'll be in a, in a much better rhythm when they're playing in January, when the season's on the line, than he will be right now. So I'm not as overly concerned as you are. Am I concerned? Yeah, I am. But it's not at the top of the list for me. Well, I look at the last time Jason Peters played extensive reps at right tackle. It was a start mm-hmm. on October 22nd. 2006, Tyler Smith <laughs> was five five years old uh, back then. It, it's been quite a while. Lee Evans, Peerless Price, J.P. Losman, Willis McGahee, some of the Buffalo Bills who were starting with Jason Peters that day against a Patriots team that included big play Rashad Caldwell at wide receiver, Troy Brown. Big play Caldwell, big play. Cor- Corey Dillon, some guy named Tom Brady was playing back then. Uh, started on defense, the like of Teddy Bruschi, 
Junior Sale, Mike Vrabel, who's now a head coach of the Tennessee Titans. Uh, this is all a very long time ago, and there's a lot of muscle memory that over the course of that time, Jason Peters has built as a left tackle. And so it's not just an easy thing to say, all right, Jason Peters, who you have worked extensively at on the left side of the offensive line since you signed here, left guard, left tackle. We're just going to have you be the right tackle moving forward. Uh, it'll be a lot to put all of that on his shoulders, even if he's a Hall of Fame type of guy. So, and Peters would be the first one to tell you that. So Josh Ball, uh, you would think would be involved as well. But uh, either way, you're looking at Jason Peters, Zach Martin, and now Tyron Smith coming back from his hamstring tendon uh, tear back in August. Very likely the Cowboys have three future Hall of Fame offensive linemen on the field for them Sunday. And, and, and that's what you said, future Hall of Famers. Jason Peters is going to be on the right side. We believe Tyron Smith will be ready for the Jags game. Jerry Jones said that this week on the radio that he believes Tyron will be back playing. Obviously, our boy Zach Martin's going to be out there at guard. So I don't think this is the end of the world by losing Terrence Steele. I mean, they have Jason Peters. There was a reason why they signed this guy, because the possibility that he could swing at both tackle spots and play guard. I don't think it's the end of the end of the world here. Yes, Ter- you make it you make it seem like Terrence Steele is going to the Hall of Fame too. You might as well say four Hall of Famers. There's no way that you can look at the film and see this Cowboys run game and not think that Terrence Steele is a, a huge loss to to this team. Oh, it is. It is. It is a huge loss. But I but but I'm not saying that I'm jumping off the cliff because they lost Terrence Steele. They got they got they signed Jason Peters for a reason. Am I right? Not to play right tackle. Not not like this in December and January. That was not the vision. That was it was get by while Tyron Smith was on the men. And now Tyron Smith is back and we're talking about Jason Peters being involved as part of the right tackle plan. That was not the plan for the Cowboys. That was not the vision. Let's move on. Though. That was not that no that was not the vision, but football players play football. They'll be fine. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Thank you for establishing that. Dak Prescott. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Nine interceptions in eight games. He had two this past Sunday against a game against the Houston Texans that a lot of people didn't think would be as close as it was. We'll get to that later, Calvin, but interceptions for Dak Prescott. Not all his fault, but are you concerned with what we're seeing there with the lack of ball security? Yeah, I am. Um, Some of these interceptions, and Michael, you've covered football a long time like I have. Some some of it is the receiver messes up. Other times, hey, the defender, he gets paid too. He makes plays. But it's the decision-making that, that that you have to talk about when it comes to some of these interceptions with Dak Prescott. And and I am a little concerned about his decision-making. Uh, he has talked about he wants to be aggressive, and I think we all want our quarterbacks to be aggressive to a certain degree. We don't want them to be gunslingers unless the last name is Favre. But you got to slow down a little bit here, Uh QB one because we're getting to the nitty gritty of your season and you still you still think you're in play for this division title and if not then okay you got to go on the road against Tampa Bay and they got a Hall of Fame guy on the other end and they've been in some squally situations they've been able to win those games this year we're talking about the Bucks I am concerned about Dak and his lack of decisions what I mean by lack of decisions the lack of making the right decisions, throw the ball away, dump it off underneath to, to Pollard or Zeke or to Schultz underneath if he's open. 
But the notion that you have to be aggressive just because you want to be aggressive, I don't think that's the right thing to do in this instance. And the numbers are proving that. I agree. I think the we've we've seen Dak Prescott play aggressive but clean football over the course of his career. So the yeah. idea that he's incapable of protecting the football, that's just not realistic. That's not factual based on precedent. But he's just got to get better with with the ball in some of the situations. Uh, you know, you look at uh, the interception against the Colts and Stephon Gilmer where he was trying to hit Michael Gallup there. That's a decision that he needs not to make. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when, when Josh Ball uh, allows a quarterback pressure – uh, in the fourth quarter against the Texans now, and Prescott gets his arm hit, and that leads to an interception, and Houston taking over at the four yard line. That is something that can happen um, without mm-hmm. not protection. Football. Yeah, so that, that's not that's less than what we're talking about, uh, but it's more about some of these other picks that have showed up. There's been you know a few of those. So yeah, if if Dak Prescott can get over that, and he vows that he will, he was very adamant after the game on Sunday that he will be on the right side of protecting the football. That will be certainly one fewer thing for the Cowboys to worry about. T.Y. Hilton, Calvin, that will help. He's 33 years old, four-time Pro Bowler. The Colts believed he had more left in him. I think the Cowboys obviously were Odell Beckham Jr.-minded, but once the physical became what it was and it became clear where not just Odell Beckham Jr.'s body was, but where his mind is too – they became very much pivoting toward Hilton. They were able to sign him to a one-year deal worth up to $1.5 million. Calvin, I see a deal that makes a whole lot of sense for the Cowboys. A low-risk, high-reward type of contract. Yeah. I mean, look, this is – they try to get Odell Beckham. They, they realize Odell is not ready to play. Uh, T.Y. Hilton who's had his own – leg issues and back issues in, in the last year with when he played in the, with the Colts. Uh, he proved to them that he's healthy enough to play. Now, whether or not T.Y. Hilton is a T.Y. Hilton when he was 24, 25 years of age, that's not, that's not happening. But he's a viable option for them. It's an indictment of everybody else on this receiving core outside of Michael Gallup and C.D. Lamb. And if T.Y. Hilton's a better number three than Noah Brown and the other guy, James Washington and Jalen Tolbert, then so be it. So he does bring something to the table. Will he get 10 catches in the next four weeks? Maybe, maybe that's a positive. You know, maybe that's what you would like to get from your third receiver. But in the big picture of things, I wonder what kind of impact he'll have in the playoffs. I think we're going to see him on the field very soon. You look at the way that his contract structure includes – each game that he's active as part of the 48-man game day roster, he gets $50,000. If you're a wide receiver, mm-hmm. you structure that contract, you're expecting to be on the field very, very quickly. So Cowboys are going to acclimate him. He's healthy. He had a workout, which is something Odell Beckham Jr. physically was unable to do. So I am really excited, if nothing else, the greatest contribution that T.Y. Hilton will bring to the Cowboys is people are not going to have to talk so breathlessly about Odell Beckham Jr. being signed <laughs> here, which I and I think I speak for a lot of people am ready for. Just move on from the Beckham conversation. One of the the things, and I think Michael, you're realizing this. This is I think your third year on the Cowboys, maybe fourth, fourth year, fourth, yeah. fourth, fourth year on the Cowboys, and this is probably my I think fourteenth. Is that Cowboys fans are enamored with every star player that becomes a free agent. <laughs> 
because they think they'll sign here. And they think Jerry Jones is George Steinbrenner, that he signs every big-time free agent, and he doesn't. You know, the Cowboys have never been this big-time free agent destination for teams in the last 15 to 20 years. The last big-time free agent they signed was Brandon Carr. And they gave him like a $50.1 million contract. Everything else has been guys have gone someplace else. So, well, yes, they loved Odell Beckham Jr. and what he could possibly bring. That left knee was always a concern for the Cowboys and other teams. As you saw, you know, he visited two other teams, Buffalo and the Giants. And what did the Bills do? They said, we're going to get Cole Beasley back and bring him out of retirement. The Giants, they're no longer in the playoff picture in a sense. They don't need Odell Beckham. So Odell, if I was Odell Beckham, and I'm not, I would just wait until the spring when I'm completely healthy and work out for some teams and then get maybe $6 million from some sucker and then prove to that team that you can play and maybe get another contract in 2024. He's almost in this, you know, because of his health and age, he's in a one-year kind of mode. No one's going to give him a two or three year deal anymore just because of what happened to him. No, we'll see. I think in March, uh, you know, once he's got this knee well behind him and Hey, even February, he doesn't need to wait until March because he's not waiting for a contract to expire contracts. If you're under, if you're signed in 2022, your contract will be valid until 2023. If Odell Beckham jr. Is unsigned through the playoffs and he gets healthy, he could sign with the Cowboys in February or in early March before the league year opens. So I think the conversation as it pertains to Beckham and the Cowboys is not necessarily going away, uh, but it's going away for now, which for me, I, I welcome that reprieve. What I also welcome, Calvin, is a chance to get to know players a little bit better, not just them as players, but as people. And I am excited for people to hear this interview with Damone Clark Jr. Our listeners, I believe, will have a much better sense of Damone Clark how he's wired, and what he plays for. That is coming up next. You have a three-year plan and a 30-year plan. At Texas Capital Bank, we've transformed our bank to offer solutions that will grow with you. From enhanced treasury management and corporate banking to personal banking and wealth management, we're dedicated to delivering the full-service support you need to secure the growth and success of your business. All from a full-service financial firm founded and headquartered in Dallas, Texas. Texas Capital Bank. Member FDIC. TexasCapitalBank.com. Damone Clark is one of the better stories of this 2022 NFL season. Now, when the Cowboys drafted Clark out of LSU, there was some doubt about his availability due to severe neck injury discovered during a medical exam at the Combine. Now, Clark underwent spinal fusion surgery. And not only has he recovered, but he's become a productive member of this team. Michael Gelkin had a beautiful chat with Clark about his recovery, work ethic, and about getting that call to play in his first NFL game. Let's start with the work ethic part, Calvin. I asked Damone, where does that come from? My parents taught me at a young age that you know, whatever you work, whatever you want, you just got to work no. for it. So, like I mean, I know... You know what I'm saying? It's a business, you know what I'm saying? So you got to work every day. Mm-hmm. Was it as simple as them saying that to you, or was it their own example? Like, did you see a lot of work ethic by example that kind of helped that message drive home for you? Well, my mom, uh, that's that's an unbelievable woman. My mom's work 
many jobs, you know, and, and when I started playing Little League football, it's a lot of times she couldn't come to my games because she was working two and three jobs. So was that defined well, work for me because she wanted to make sure that she provided for her family. What kind of jobs is she doing? My mom, like any like any job that she could find, she was working at a hotel a lot too. So, you know, working at a hotel, that's when you like cleaning businesses and stuff, and just cleaning buildings and stuff like that. That was my mom. So she's like cleaning rooms in a hotel, that sort yeah. of thing? Yeah, that's she worked. Yeah, so when you see that as a kid, how, how young do you notice that? Like, man, my mom, she, she works to take care of us. She works to provide. Um, I started playing football when I was six. So i say probably when I was like eight, that's when I really started realizing it. Yeah. And so how then would you describe your approach here? Because even when, I mean, there was thought that you might not play at all this season. Yeah. And that, but you just worked toward that goal. What, what, what was your mindset when you got here? I mean, my mindset was, you know, just going every day and just work. You know, it was a, just by talking to, you know, the, the trainers and stuff like that. It was like, you know, it's a, it's a chance that you can play this year. You know, and I just, I came in each day, just controlled the things that I could control. And that was my work ethic and my attitude towards it. Mm-hmm. And can you go into a little bit of detail with that work ethic, working during the weekends or like how often were you at the facility? Like what, what did that look like for you? I mean, when I first got here, I was staying at the hotel, the hotel right there. So, I mean, it was easy for me to come over here. So, I mean, the biggest thing, whenever I could, you know, rehab and get better, I was just let them know, just let me know when and I'm coming. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, you know, credit those guys. You know, they, those guys came on off days too just to help me get better. Yeah, so off days, like on Sundays, or what, what are we talking about? Whatever here? I needed, those guys <laughs> did it for me. So you you just, know? Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I mean, it's just working. You know what I'm saying? I just, I wanted to, you know, get back on the field. You know, I haven't. And I, I, I'm not looking back, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's not a doubt in my mind that I didn't make the right decision for myself. Yeah. Um, how long is that walk from the hotel to the facility? It's like a, I'd probably say like a four-minute walk. Okay. So it's right there. So, I mean, okay. it's easy to come from right across the street. No you know, excuses, nothing, right? Yeah. No excuses at all, <laughs> man. That's why I say, like, just the way I grew up and the way that my parents taught me, you know, work, and that's just something that stuck with me. You know, I played Little League football. Uh, in Baton Rouge, South Baton Rouge Jaguars, and our motto was, if you don't work, you don't eat. So, I mean, I go with that motto now, you know what I'm saying? If you don't work, you don't eat. If I don't work, if I don't go to work every day, I ain't gonna be able to feed my daughter. Yeah. And that's, and that's just the mindset that I look at it as. Yeah, how old's your daughter? Two years old. Okay, so her, she's been very much a, an influence for yeah, you. Yeah. I can't imagine why, how she, how she couldn't be, right? That's, that's my biggest motivation, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if you have kids, but you're a man at the end of the day. You don't want nobody to you know, take care of your responsibility. So that's how I look at it, too. I don't want nobody else to take care of my daughter. So I'm going to do what I got to do to take care of yeah, That's awesome. So the if you don't work, you don't eat. Yeah, that, you don't work, you don't eat. You heard that when you were six, that, that young? I was playing with the Southbury Jaguars. Yeah, Terry Boyd. Because <laughs> Terry Boyd, man, he, didn't wanna, he told us that. And that was the motto all the way through for me. If you don't work, you don't eat. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, you working now alongside Leighton Vanderesh, who, among others, but he's unique. Or he's he's done what you're doing right now. Like he's gone through this rehab. He's had that spinal fusion surgery to the yeah. neck. What did, what sort of resource did he become for you once you got here? Um, like really, when I got here, he was one of the advocates for me, just telling me, you know. Just he's like, I know it's tough right now. He said, I know it's uncomfortable for you, but he was like, just keep working every day. And he just, he, he was a positive motivation in my ear. He told me every day, just keep working, your time will come. And my time came here and he, you know, he's been 
like one of my biggest supporters, honestly. He's been one of the biggest supporters, both on and off the field. And if I have questions or something about film, I just send him a video. I, I video and I send it to him. Are you text message to him? Yeah, and I text message to him, and you know he send it back to me. So that's a guy that like he's been one of my biggest resources here for me. Just the leadership that he that he supplied towards me, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for it. So you'll send film of like an upcoming opponent, or yeah. it'll be your own personal film, or of opponent. I mean, it, it's anything. Like whatever I feel like, if I if it's something that I need to get better at, he's transparent with me. All the linebackers transparent. They just you know they tell like it is. It's one big family now. We all want to get better. We all got one goal, and that's to win. No doubt. What's the best advice Layton has given to you about just going through the process that you went through with the surgery? Just trust the process. You know, it was, it was a tough process. I mean, it was days that. You know, it was days I'm like, like, what am I doing? You know what I'm saying? But like I said, if you don't work, you don't eat. I think about my daughter all the time. You know, like, it's, if I don't do it, then who will? You yeah. Know what I'm what's uh, what's your daughter's name? Dakota. Dakota. Yeah. That's a beautiful yeah. name. What, what's what's she like? Like, is she pretty aware of just like the fact that you're, you know, in the NFL and all that? I feel like she know like one thing. She do know I play football. So every time there's a game on. She see a football game. It's just like that, that. Like she know. Like I don't think she know the full, like the full ins and outs of everything. I don't think she know. You know, she just know that she don't see me all the time. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that's, and that's one of the toughest things too. That my daughter two years old, so she's you know learning. She learned a lot. And I don't see her every day. You know, the only time I see her is when I call on Facetime. So, right. I mean, but she do. She know most of it. You know, and she know that. You know, dad, that play football, and she know. She's not my house, look, when she pull up to the house, she's like, dad's house. Like, she know exactly, awesome. you know what I'm saying? So that's, that was brings comfort to my heart, and that what makes my heart warm that I know that, you know, I'm able to provide for my daughter, even though, you know, I don't see my daughter all the time. Only yeah. time I really see her is through FaceTime. Yeah. Were you able to see her, um, when was the last time you were able to see her in person? No, she was just here for Thanksgiving. I was hoping she was so. Just, she okay. was just here for Thanksgiving. Um, How was that for you? Oh, man, it was it was great. But, not going to lie, I'm, I'm working on my patience with her. She's two years old, so... <laughs> You know, I, well, that's, just, that's just credit yeah. to my mom. Like, my mom's, like, a big supporter for me. Like, my mom's helped me with whatever I need. You know, my mom's there just, you know, helping with my daughter because, you know, I've, I've been at, you know, I go from practice and then you got to go from practice to turn to a dad. You know what I'm right. saying? And, this, and that's, the, that's the tough part. But, I mean, it's, it's tough, but it's enjoyable. Like, I love I love being a dad and I love being a football player and just being able to go home and, you know, after maybe my dad at work wasn't good, but I still got to go home and, you know, spend time with my daughter. No you know doubt. What I'm that's that's one of the, the biggest things and that that really warm my heart yeah. being able to do that. But she's two years old, so <laughs> that comes with things that a two year old do and I mean, I get mad, but I can't get mad because I remember I was two years old at one time. Right, no doubt. From my understanding, from my parents, that I was worse than that. So, I, you know, I can't do <laughs> She gets it from smile. someone, yeah. 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 Uh, your daughter lives, Dakota, she lives in Louisiana? Yes, yeah, she lives in Louisiana. Um, the first game for which you were active, Chicago, I believe. Yeah. You were preparing for a special teams role. I think that's what the Cowboys were preparing. You yeah. know, you get, my feet wet. Yeah. get your feet wet a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, you hadn't played at all in the spring, none in the training camp, none in the preseason, none in the first several weeks of the year. Yeah. Anthony gets the hamstring in the first half. You play, I believe it was 40 defensive snaps, maybe even more than that, right around that neighborhood. Yeah. That's, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure how many, yeah. how many snaps it was, but, yeah, it was, it was around that. What was – talk about – kind of just being thrown in well, what was that experience like for you and how did it feel going through from kind of zero to 60 I mean honestly at first when he went down like, I'm standing out looking and then I just heard George 
screaming my name. He was like, Damon, like, Damon, go. So I'm looking at him. He like, go. So, I, so I'm like, hey, it's my opportunity, man. It is what it is. Like, I just ran out there. You know, I was, I mean, of course, like, that's my, that was my first live snaps. Right. Of my, you know, NFL career, you know. And I, I mean, I was nervous, but after, after that first job, I'm like, I'm just a little kid playing football again. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. how I went back. When I first started playing football at the age of six, you know, I just went back to that time. You just uh, look, you you just playing the game that you love playing since you were six years old. Does that help? It's just keeping that perspective of just like, don't make it bigger than what it is. It's still football. It's still a game. It's what I'm paid to do, but it's what I love to do. Yeah, man. Like, you, like you said, you said it. You hit it on the. But you said don't don't make it bigger than it is. You know, so if you go out there, you know, thinking too much, thinking about oh this and that, that and that, then that makes you play slow. But if you go out there and just you know. We sit here on the moment. You go out there and just on the moment, everything gonna be alright. Cause like at the end of the day, it's football. No like, I've been playing football since I was six. I'm 22 years old. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I've been doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. Last question. Talking about owning the moment. Do you have a favorite moment so far of your r- rookie season in the NFL? I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you. This may sound like crazy, but like just being able just to step on the field. You know, each no matter if it's special teams on defense, just being able to step on the field, you know, that's 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 the biggest highlight for me. You know, because I know like you know a lot of people might have counted me out this year. Yeah. You know, saying, oh he'll he'll be back next year. I didn't think you were playing. You know, that's what I'm saying. Other just, teams didn't think you were playing. You know what I'm saying just being able to get on the field. You know, I'm I'm thankful. You know, and I thank God every day for it that I I have the chance to get on the field this year, knowing. You know, I just had a, a spinal fusion done or whatever. So it's not a moment that don't go by that. I don't thank God for being on the field. You know, one thing I do every time before I step on the field, you know, I give glory to God every time before I step on the field. It don't matter. Like, I can go out there. It could be going out there on the special teams route. I just do the cross, blessings to God, go on the field. Defense, go on the field, do my cross, blessings to God every time. That's awesome. Every drive, that's what I do. When did you start that? I mean, really, my, my parents, my parents is big on faith, you know, so growing up, you know, my parents, you know, they took took me to church, you know, they, they did things that helped me, mold me to be the man that I am, you know, and I have my mentor, his name is Floyd Prescott, that's another person from LSU, mm-hmm. that's another guy that, you know, got me closer with God, got me, you know, I read every morning, uh, before, I, when I, before I do anything in the morning, I get on my knees and I pray, I do my daily readings in the morning, before I go to sleep, I pray. Throughout the day, I pray. I wouldn't be in this position right now without God. And, you know, I just got to give him the glory because I'm, I'm a vessel through God. Yeah. Just being able to, you know, God on the field. And, yeah, I have the athletic abilities, but it's through God. I'm going for God through my athletic abilities. A prayer when, that, when you initially were told you had, uh, what, what did they tell you? you uh, spine, uh, it was a uh, herniated disc. You remember what vertebrae? Or? Uh, C3, C4. C3, C4? Yeah. When, it, when, you, tur- when you learned that, Indianapolis at the Combine, how quickly did you turn to prayer, kind of help you get through? I mean, I, it was tough on me because I was preparing to go out there and perform, you know, in front of all the scouts and right. all the GMs and stuff like that. I was going out there to, you know, get ready to go out there and perform. And, you Perfect. know, when they told me that, like, it was, I was shocked, you know, but I, I called my agent, uh, David Mulligetta, and he told me, he was like, man, we're going to handle that later on. Go out there and put on the show, do what you do. And I just went out there and, you know, made the most of the opportunity, knowing in the back of my head what they was telling me. But like I said, when they told me that, I just prayed to God. I said, God, I'm leaving in your hands. Whatever it is, everything happened for a reason. And I just went out there and just performed. Some people might not have worked out in that situation, right? Yeah, I mean, one thing, I I went there to put on the show, and I went there to show my abilities, and that's what I was going to do. Calvin, there's a number 
at LSU, and our thanks again to Damone for having joined us. A number at LSU that means a whole lot over there, and it's the number 18. They assign it sometimes to multiple players in a given season. It represents the qualities that the program holds dearest. And Damone Clark wore number 18 at LSU. And the way that people talk about Damone, the way that you just heard Damone talk about his priorities, his daughter, uh, his work ethic, and you know, if, if you don't work, you don't eat, you can see why that number suited him. And you can see why, to a man, I talked to coaches about Damone Clark, I talked to teammates about Damone, Dak Prescott said the only player who was working in the offseason as hard as he was, was Damone Clark. And so for a rookie to be able to create that level of respect this soon, it speaks volumes to the player and more so the person that Damone Clark is. Yeah. Um, one of the best things I liked about the interviews when you were talking to him about where'd you get that work ethic from? He said, my mom, she worked two or three jobs. She worked at a hotel cleaning rooms and that kind of thing. And I, that's real work, man. That's, that's, that's working. You know, that's blue collar stuff right there. And, you know, we talk about Mike McCarthy being a blue collar guy because his parents, they owned a bar and go up in Pittsburgh, the steel mill, the whole thing. And Damone Clark, Mike McCarthy, guys like that, that just brings a team together, good chemistry. You like hearing those types of stories. Um, and, and I remember when Damone Clark was drafted and, and you hear about the type of surgery he had, you go, man, he, he's not playing this year. But then Leighton Vanderus had, had a similar surgery and him and, and Vanderus have, have bonded together on just their work ethic and, and, and recovering from a neck from spinal fusion surgery. It sounds serious, but it really isn't. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it is and it isn't. Well, it is. You know? It is. Yeah. Theoretically, if if you've had one spinal fusion surgery and you get hit in a wrong way and you need to have a second spinal fusion surgery or second, you would, you know, something happens, it happens similarly. That's the end of your NFL career. It, it, right. it, like you, you don't get multiple procedures like this and go back to running 19 miles per hour and head on with a pulling guard. Those days are over for you. But the fact that you do get the surgery is hope that you can come back and play. Yes. That, that's what I mean, right? It's not like you have to have this surgery to live. You have to have this surgery to play a game where it's, it's a car wreck every other play, you know? So, but yeah, it's just a, a tremendous, I mean, we've always loved his story and I'm glad you had a chance to spend some time with him uh, for a couple of minutes. But you know what, Michael? Yes, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Went somewhere. Is it time to eat the cheese? We're going to talk about what that means when Sports Day Cowboys returns. Hey, listeners, this is Damon Marks. I'm the Cowboys editor for the Dallas Morning News. That includes the Sports Day Cowboys podcast that you're listening to right now. What I love about this beat is the nonstop news cycle that is the Dallas Cowboys. But beyond that daily adrenaline rush, being able to reveal the human side of the players you watch on TV is a privilege. Calvin and Michael talk to these players each week to bring you the behind-the-scenes stories that you can't get anywhere else. If you want to support this good work, it's easy. Just subscribe to the Dallas Morning News and become a member. You'll find a special offer just for listeners at dallasnews.com slash listen. 
Sunday, the Cowboys will visit the Jaguars, a team that's rebuilding with a Super Bowl winning coach and a former number one pick in Trevor Lawrence, who's really going through another rookie season. Michael, is this another trap game for the Cowboys? Oh, boy. So there, there's something to unpack there. You're talking all about this eat the cheese thing and, and where that comes from. You know, if you're the Cowboys and you're going against a team with a lowly record, you eat the cheese would be it means you've overlooked your opponent on account of that record and you've bought into all the hype of people on the outside telling you that you're supposed to blow the door down against this team and you don't work as hard. You have a letdown. That's essentially what taking the cheese means. Can we agree on the definition, Calvin? Cheating the cheese is this is a team that you should be defeating by, you know, at least a touchdown or more. You've allowed yourself to get beaten by said team, or you've allowed yourself to be in a in a close combative game with the team you should be blowing out, which was the case last week when the Cowboys played the Texans. The Cowboys were a 17 and a half point favorite, and in the fourth quarter of that game, they were losing. And they needed a 98-yard drive in the fourth quarter with some magic from Dak Prescott, Dalton Schultz, to win that game. And now here we got the Jaguars, who are a much better team than the Texans, and another game where it's a trap game because the next week, Christmas Eve, they got the Eagles in the NFC East Championship game. So the Cowboys got to get their act together, man. No, I'm going to let you go because you want to talk. I was going to sit back and let you go. You go. Do you believe that the Cowboys – we're losing in the fourth quarter to the Houston Texans because they took them lightly and they ate the cheese. Yes, yes, yes. Cavante Turpin had, had muffed one punt all year. He muffs a punt in this game. We've talked about Dak Prescott protecting the football. They didn't protect the ball the way he needed to. Now, they had some health issues. They, you know, they lose uh, Terrence Steele. We get that. That's part of the, that's part of the drill. The Texans lost their rookie running back in, in that game as well. Everybody gets hurt, but the Cowboys on paper and on the field skill wise, we're a better team and they messed around and almost lost that game. I just don't think that Kevontae Turpin muffed the punt because he ate the cheese because it was the Houston Texans. I think he muffed the punt because of the way the ball traveled and whatever it was, was it was pertaining to the ball in the air and not anything to do with the opponent or the, its record. Likewise, Dak Prescott threw an interception, made a poor judgment decision, he said, post-game on that first pick that he had of two of them. That was something that he's done before this season, not because it was the Houston Texans, but because it happens. To me, the Cowboys were barely squeaking by that game because of the way that they played, the way that they failed to execute. Not anything to do with the Houston Texans, you know, not being taken seriously enough. Likewise, you're talking about whether or not they might take the cheese or it's just another trap game against the Jaguars. The Jaguars are coming off a game here where they went to Nashville and beat the Tennessee Titans 36 to 22. The Jaguars have won two of their past three games. So I don't believe the Cowboys took the Texans lightly, and that was the reason why that they were losing late in that game. And I certainly don't believe that after that Texans game, the Cowboys, having seen recent film, the Jaguars are going to take now the Jaguars lightly. I just don't think that's the narrative for this game. Well, the Jaguars started the season two and six. I think they had a five-game losing streak. I mean, they lost to the Texans. They gave up 40 points to the Lions. You know, you said they've won two of their last three. They got beat 40 to 14 by the Lions. Okay. 
So there's something to be said for how you win ball games. So last weekend, Dallas played Houston, right? Yeah. The New York Giants played the Philadelphia Eagles, right? Correct. The Eagles, the Eagles beat the mess out of the Giants. You know, the Eagles are uh, telling people we're a Super Bowl contender. We're going to win this division. We got the MVP candidate on our football team. The Cowboys went in at home, two touchdown favorite, and messed around and barely beat the Texans. When you look at the seasons and the trajectory of of the Eagles and the Cowboys, and after you looked at that weekend, you would have to say to yourself, I think the Eagles are Super Bowl contenders. The Cowboys, I don't know. You and I, Calvin, we have our I Disagree segment. It's usually around this time of the show. We specifically didn't have an I Disagree. We're just going to talk about this one thing, but I cannot help but disagree with you with just about (laughs) everything that you're saying. I mean, it's such a week-to-week view of the league. One, this sort of thing can happen where – a game that was thought to be a blowout turns out to be tightly contested. That happens. You're talking about because of the Eagles blowing the door off the Giants while the Cowboys struggled against Texans. That means that one is making some sort of statement that they're Super Bowl ready while the other one isn't. Well, then what do you make of the Cowboys the previous week winning 54-19 to against the Colts? And a few weeks earlier, the Eagles beat the Colts 17-16, to a one-point game. What does that tell you about where the Cowboys and the Eagles are respectively in their Super Bowl aspirations? I don't think we can make that much over one single game or one, you know, one matchup or performance against a single opponent. There's a bigger picture. It's the NFL. Things can happen over the course of game, which is what we saw. Are the Cowboys more talented than the Houston Texans? I think it's clear. I don't think it's close despite the margin of that game. But can a more talented team shoot itself in the foot a number of times, pre-snap penalties, turnovers, horrible mismatch in relates to field position, and then suddenly it's a tight game? Yeah, and we saw that. The Cowboys turned the ball over three times inside their own 30-yard line. The first two were two touchdowns. The third one, what good teams do, they find a way to win. They gave the ball to the Texans at the four-yard line, made a goal line stand. Carlos Watkins played out of his mind with a hustle play on that second down. Shouldn't be uh, overlooked at all. I can't talk about that play enough. But it's not just one game that determines whether or not the Cowboys are these Super Bowl contenders. To me, the Texans didn't move the needle as it relates to that conversation. It's just a reminder of the reality of the NFL that any given week, something like that can happen. But if you want to be taken seriously as a contender... Who, what does it matter? Who takes you seriously? Just win, just win games. And it, 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 people don't need to take you seriously along the way. Perception doesn't matter. Just win your football games, get to January, win a few more, and then... People take you seriously if you continue doing that. Can I ask you a question? I run out of time here. Run out of patience. Run out of patience and time? <laughs> I mean, I, I got a question, a quick question. Minnesota Vikings, right? I remember them. The Vikings, they were in a lot of one-score games. They were a scrappy team. They were fighting to getting by, right? Then here come the Cowboys into their stadium. The Cowboys beat their behind pretty good. Remember that game? We were there. 40-3, to three, yeah. 40 to 3. And now our perception of the, of the Vikings is a little different now because we said, man, we thought this was a really good team. They were home against the Cowboys. Here was a chance for them to make a statement. Nope. Nope. I can't believe it. I don't believe in them now. I don't believe in them. And they have not been the same since. Cowboys lose to the Packers in overtime, a game they should have won. And that changed the perception of the Cowboys as well because we were like, man, you can't even beat the Packers. I mean, this was Mike McCarthy's game. This was the game you were supposed to win, and you didn't win for your guy? Perception changes, man. Perception is everything. 
and the Cowboys are not are not a legit Super Bowl contender. They're just not right now. Perception is everything. I cannot believe you said that. Perception does not win playoff games. I don't think this conversation is going to progress any further than it has. <laughs> we, we weren't competing. It wasn't I disagree, yet I feel like I won. That's all the time we have for Sports Day Cowboys this week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. The show is produced by Damon Marks, and you can stay up to date on every episode by following Sports Day Cowboys wherever you get your audio, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also find the show by following the Dallas Morning News in those same players. You can also find links to everything we do at dallasnews.com slash listen, and you'll find a special membership offer there just for listeners. Please send us your voice memos. We love them. We're just going to plug in your audio. You ask this question. Keep it tight, 20, 30 seconds, and send it to DMN Cowboys, Dallas Morning News, DMN Cowboys at DallasNews.com. For the news, I'm Michael Gelkin. And I'm Calvin Watkins. We'll see you next week. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.